0: probably a week, a week or so into these new strings, they settle in and then Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. 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 There it is. Woo! The cloudy skies. Everybody kind of has like a. It's fall. I'm gonna drink my pumpkin spice latte, and uh, enjoy the enjoy the fall weather. If you're joining us from home, uh, excited to hang out this morning. If you guys, those of you who are here, excited to worship this morning. I'm excited to be with you with all six guitar strings. <laughs> that is an accomplishment after last Sunday, and so we are gonna we're gonna sing together, and uh, with all of the strings. Let's all stand up together as we sing.
1: your name on the road marked with suffering but there's pain in the offering blessed be your name sing every blessing every blessing the floor. our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how in love overcome. He has done great things. He has done great things. Done great things. We dance in your freedom, freedom awake and alive. For Jesus our Savior your name lifted high, high oh God you have done, done great things. things. You've been faithful, faithful through, through every, every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You have to do great things. You will do great things. And break every chain, oh God, you have, have done great, great things. We dance in the your freedom, awake and delight. Oh Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, your name lift it lifted it high, high, oh God, you, you have, have done great things. Unshakable, Hallelujah! You have done great things. Hallelujah, God above it all. Hallelujah, God unshakable. Hallelujah, You have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hear you conquer the great, you free every captive, and break every shade, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. You You have done done great things. So, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave grave. you free every every captive, and break every chain chain. of God. You You have done done great things. things. Dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high, O God. You have done great things. You have 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 done done great things. things. You You have done great things. things.
0: I will say after singing to a camera for over a year. I love hearing your guys' voices this morning. It's amazing when you're looking at that blinking light, how you're just hoping on the other side there's people singing. And um, Standing here this morning declaring that we worship a God who has done great things. Standing here this morning declaring that even in the midst of craziness, we worship a God who has done amazing things. Um, Sing this song together. Lord, I come,
1: Cause I, I confess, confess, bowing here, here I, find I find my rest, without you I fall apart, you're here. the one that guides
0: This morning we sing that, God, we declare that, that we are in need of a Savior. No matter what step we take, no matter what breath we, we make, God, we are always in need of a Savior. Father, we worship you this morning. We probably sing your name. Amen.
2: Can get this oh here we go there we go good morning thank you for joining us today i want to say hello to all of you guys here in person just like jason said it's so good to like talk to real people get a feedback you know instead of talking to the camera but we also want to be, thank everyone who's watching us on facebook and youtube and just thank you guys for taking your time out this morning to worship with us and um we want you to know that you are also a huge important part of today So um, we're excited to have all the kids here with us. If you don't know, every last Sunday of the month is Family Worship Sunday, where we invite the kids to stay with us in service. And as you can see, they serve and participate too. So it's a great day for you to be here. Welcome to Family Worship Sunday. So we as a church are committed to seeing every single one of our members serve, worship, grow, serve, and reach. And at SVC, we believe that the measure of its disciple is when they're serving in the areas of their giftings. Now, I see, I, I hear all the time, you know, I, I'm not that good at this, or I don't know this much about this. But let me tell you, the reality is, is that the Lord doesn't call the gifted. He gifts the called, okay? And you're called. Every single one of you is called to be a light into this world, to serve with your giftings. And so God used similar people in the Bible who had doubts, Did you know Moses had a speech impediment, and he was like, I can't talk in front of Pharaoh? And God said, I'll give you words. I'll make it happen, right? Paul had killed Christians, but God didn't didn't look at his past. He looked at how he had gifted him and had him serve that way. So no matter what your areas of giftings are, we have room for you to serve. So you can check out on our SVC app, Areas for Volunteerism. Or you can talk to any of the leaders, and we'll get you totally plugged into an area that's perfect for you. I also want to talk about small groups today. Um, Small groups, we have a lot of new small groups that are coming up in spring. And, again, you can check out our SVC app. And I just want to tell you guys about the most amazing small group I was ever in. You know, small groups, they can literally change your life, and I'm proof of that. So when I was 19, I was at Bible College and they had put us all into these small groups. They called them Konania groups or family groups. And it was so that you could get to know people at college. So I was there. And in walks, I mean, the most handsome guy I had ever seen in my life. And he had um, bleach-tipped spiky hair with an orange visor, a Hawaiian shirt, and cargo shorts. And immediately I was like, okay, I got to meet this guy. So I walk up to him, and I'm like, hi, I'm Kimberly. I'm part of your small group. And he was like, I'm here to learn about Jesus. And I instantly fell in love. And I want you to know that I grew up to marry that cool guy. And so a small group, not only will you meet Jesus at a small group, you for sure will. But it can change your life in other ways. You make connections with people that are similar to you, that have similar questions to you, Um, you make lifelong friends, and you can even meet your mate there. So sign up for a small group, and hopefully you'll have a testimony of a story, just like I have. All right, a revival prayer is on May 2nd at 6.30, and we really want you to join us for revival prayer. It's such an amazing time for us to come together as a church and just agree on things, you know, to lift each other up, to pray for each other to pray for our church and to pray for the community. And so if you've never been to revival prayer, you know, you don't have to come and pray out loud. You don't have to speak. You can just pray in your heart and agree with everyone. It's a beautiful time to come together. We want to invite you May 2nd, 630, here in the building. I'm also happy to announce that on May 2nd, we're going to be relaunching our children's ministry classes. And so we're super excited about that. Yes. I know. We have missed the kids, the teachers have missed the kids so much. And I know that your kids have really missed their special classes and their teachers. And so we are going to go forward with that in a safe way. We're going to social distance. Um, I don't want you to be worried about that. If you have any questions, you can come and talk to me, and I'll show you the room. And so we're really excited. May 2nd, we're going to start that again. All right. She made you breakfast. She made you lunch. She made you dinner. She made you do your homework. Your mom did so much for you, right? And so on May 9th, we're going to celebrate moms. We're going to join here at Solano Valley Church to recognize the women for who they are and what they've done. So whether you're a grandma, an auntie, a spiritual mom, I have so many spiritual moms here, you guys probably don't even know. Uh, You know, all of you amazing women, we're going to celebrate you for who you are, May 9th. And this is a perfect time for you to invite someone, another woman in your life has made a big impact. Invite them to come and be celebrated that day. We're also going to be doing a child dedication. So if you're interested in dedicating your child that day, um, you can email me and we'll get you all signed up for that. All right, right now we have the honor and privilege of worshiping God through our tithes and offerings. And we believe that tithing is an act of worship because it honors and glorifies God. It gives us a chance to support the church's mission and of making disciples. And we get to participate in seeing people live change through obedience. So we want to thank you for giving so generously at SVC. And there are four ways for you to give to our church. You can give online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can give on the SVC phone app. Just tap give. You can give by sending a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. And you can text give to 707-883-3019. And you can also drop it into the offering box. There's a little um, silver slit at the back of the, right next to the office that you can drop it in. Alright, so thank you so much for being generous givers. Alright, you guys, you ready? Okay, I have my two amazing helpers here. I have tell them your name. Elijah. Elijah. Luke. And Luke. And they are so awesome. You guys know the Protobinsky boys, right? Yes. Okay. So do you guys like to open presents? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Everyone likes to open presents, right? Okay, I want you to tell me what was the best present that you ever got. A lizard. Any can anybody top that? I don't think so. Lizard, my Xbox. Ooh, an Xbox. Wow. Okay, so those are some pretty amazing gifts. Well, do you like to give presents? Yes. You do? I
1: love giving to the homeless and I love giving giving my family presents. Yeah. Since he's my brother's same. Same. <laughs>
2: Yes, it's so exciting to to get presents. It's super exciting to give presents and to see the look on someone's face when you give them something that they really loved. And so um I brought a a very special present for you for you guys today, okay? And I want you to open it. So go ahead and open this present. Okay. Somehow I don't think this is how they open presents on their birthday, dude. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's right. Okay, look it over, and then we've got some, something inside. All right. There it is. Oh, okay, show everybody what you got. All right. So come over here and tell me. So you guys know that, that God is such a generous giver, right? And do you know the Bible verse, John three sixteen? You don't have to say it. We're all going to say it because this is one that we all um, learned in Sunday school, right? So let's say it all together. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will have everlasting life. All right. So God sent his only son in the earth as a human baby so that we could celebrate Jesus and so that we could have Jesus here on earth. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. But when Jesus was adult, he began to teach people about God. And then soon after that, he died on the cross, but then he rose from the dead. And that's what we celebrated just a couple weeks ago at Easter. Right now, imagine how hard it would be For God to give up his one and only son and allow him to die on the cross for you and me. That must have been a really hard thing, right? It's easy to give someone a birthday present, but imagine if you had to give one of your brothers up or somebody in your family. That would be terrible, right? So it was a hard thing, but God did it because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. He said that all we have to do is believe in him and that we'll have eternal life in heaven with him. Believing in Jesus is the only way that we can receive this wonderful gift. So I want to give you two a gift for helping today. And um, all you have to do is take it out of my hand. All you have to do is receive it. Just have to receive it. You can open it if you want. (laughs) So all you have to do is receive it. And I want you to know, guys, yep. Yes, delicious, right? I want you to know that all you have to do to accept Jesus into your heart is receive him, right? There's nothing that we can do, no act that we can do. There's no kind of um, special thing that we have to do. We just have to open our hearts and receive Jesus. And so today, um, after after Pastor Gary preaches, he's going to give everybody in here the opportunity to receive that gift. The most important gift that you could ever receive in your whole life, to have Jesus into, in your heart and a relationship with him, right? Okay, so all you have to do is receive Jesus into your heart, and you can be saved. Yep, and he gave us the best gift, right? Better than candy, better than a lizard, for sure. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for helping me out today. All right.
3: All right. Thank you, guys really appreciate your help today I know Kimberly does. Thank you Kimberly. Tell you what I'll leave this I'll keep this tray right here. Thank you. thank you so much. all right all right so as uh, Kimberly said just a moment ago what we are about as a church uh, is our mission as a church is inviting people to follow Jesus. And what we like to say is our strategy is to worship, grow, serve, and reach, so we want to worship God in all we do. we want to grow in Christ day by day, we want to serve others over self, and we want to reach our community and our world one person at a time and um and and uh, as again, I said inviting our mission is inviting people to follow jesus and 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 I want to talk briefly about what that looks like is that Following Jesus looks like loving and serving like Jesus. It doesn't look like necessarily a lot of a church activity. It just looks like loving. You know what that means to do, to love? And it looks like serving like Jesus does. And so that's something that we want to do. Um, When I was a kid, uh, I used to like to watch horror movies but not the modern kind. I, I didn't really like all the blood and gore and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I wasn't. But like the old, I don't know, what, what's that guy's name? Lon Chaney, the Wolfman, you know. Uh, what's his name? Lon Chaney. It, oh, Lon, Chaney Lon Chaney. And uh, someone else liked to watch it too, I guess. No. Uh, or, you know, this is a guy who's educated in the classics, the Wolfman. Uh, so, uh, but I used to like to watch all those old movies when I was a kid. A few years back, uh, that, the, I was on, I was watching TV and I just kind of, I was, I had the remote and I'm flashing through and I see, uh, the, the beginning of this movie called World War Z with Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and basically what happens is, is it's the zombie apocalypse and, uh, with the, uh, p- people are infected with this virus and by biting other people, stuff like that, they spread the virus to other people. But Brad Pitt comes up with a fantastic, brilliant way of saving the world. He discovers that the zombies only attack healthy people. If a person has cancer or something like that, they won't, uh, they won't attack them. And so Brad Pitt's way of saving the world is if you would, innocu- if you would uh, inject yourself with a deadly pathogen that was killing you, the, the zombies wouldn't attack you. Now, I, I, I thought about it and I thought, well, I'm not sure. You know, what do you want to do, die from a zombie or some kind of pathogen? Uh, it didn't sound like a very good solution. Uh, in the Bible, the Bible talks about a different kind of zombie. In in um, in Haitian folklore, a zombie was a reanimated corpse, meaning that it was a dead person that had come back to life in the Bible. The Bible teaches us that there are people who are like zombies. Uh, they don't walk around dragging one fit behind them, you know, biting the person next to them. That's not what they look like. In fact, a lot of zombies in the Bible look like church people. Uh, in the Bible, they look like very, very religious people. And what I want to do is I'm going to read to you about a religious zombie and uh, and I want to talk with you a little bit about what the Scriptures teach us in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The Bible says this. It says, and I'm reading from the NIV text. So if you have an NIV Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to this. Uh, and in John chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, we're going to read through to verse 21. The Scripture says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. Uh, he, uh, he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. Uh, n- for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Uh, Nicodemus responds, it sounds confusing to him. He's, he's kind of confused by, you know, what does that mean? And so he says to Jesus, he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And So Jesus answers, and this is what he says. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to The Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows, Jesus says, wherever you wish it, uh, wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I don't know if you're sufficiently confused here, but Nicodemus was. And so Nicodemus says, Well, how can this be? And Jesus says, You are Israel's teacher, by the way, in the Greek text, Uh, The teacher here has a definite article in front of it, meaning that you are the teacher of Israel, meaning that he was a person of um, uh, just imagine the most famous preacher you can think of in our world today. That's who Jesus is talking with. He's talking about a highly celebrated, respected religious teacher. Where am I at? Verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak what we we know. uh, And we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people, meaning the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders. But you people, uh, we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God loved the world, Uh, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one And only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. By the way, the light that comes into the world is Jesus. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's pray, and then we'll dig into this text. God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good, you are holy. uh, And what that means is that you must judge sin. But God, you are also gracious, and you are merciful, and you love sinners. And what you want to do is you want to save people. God, help us to better understand this text and apply it to our lives. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple things I want, to, I want you to see in the text, but a couple of things I want to talk about. Actually, I just kind of want to go back through the text a little bit and make a couple of points if I can do that. Uh, because a lot of what Jesus says in this text sounds a little bit, a little bit confusing. What happens is the story is basically this, is that Nicodemus... Nicodemus, he comes to to Jesus at night. Kind of a strange thought. Uh, Why does Nicodemus come at night? By the way, in the book of John, uh, night almost has kind of a sinister tone to it. So it's kind of like whenever you hear night in in the book of John, you should always hear the kind of sinister music playing in the background. All right? Uh, in this case with Nicodemus, and because later he, John's, or Jesus is going to talk about how people love darkness instead of the light. But what the Bible tells us is that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And, and I've heard a lot of different people offer a lot of different reasons why they think uh, that Jesus comes to, uh, or excuse me, why Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Uh, some people believe that um, because he was a Pharisee, uh, he didn't want his Pharisee uh, friends to know that he was going to visit Jesus, some people believe that maybe Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because during the day there were lots and lots of people who were always crowded around Jesus, and so maybe Nicodemus came at night so he could talk with Jesus uninterrupted. Uninter- uh, another guy, William Barclay, commentator, New Testament scholar, uh, he he observes that awful, also that the. Uh, many of the scholars, many of the scribes of Jesus' day actually believed that night was the best time to study the law. For whatever reason, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and when he comes to Jesus, uh, he's, he's kind, he's polite, uh, he addresses him as rabbi, and understand this, is that Nicodemus would have been a highly educated pers- person. He would have uh, been formally educated, but Jesus would have come from what most people would have recognized as the peasant class, meaning he didn't have the same formal instruction that Nicodemus had. And yet, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he addresses him as Rabbi, a respectful uh, a respectful address, and he says, "We know you come from God." So Nicodemus saw in Jesus something different from the other. Uh, Pharisees. He says, we know you've come, uh, come from God as a teacher uh, for no one could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, folks, if you're here today for the first time, what I have told our people is when you're reading through the Gospel of John, every time you come to the word sign in the Gospel of John, you should draw a little box around it. Draw a little box around it, and then in the margin, draw a little S with a little box around that. Because in the Gospel of John, uh, the word signs and sign has a very, very important meaning. That every time that John talks about miracles, these miracles were intended to be pointers that pointed to the fact that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And, and in fact, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and we looked at this on uh, Easter Sunday, is that in John chapter 20... That what, what Jesus does is, excuse me, in John chapter two, 20, what John does when he writes to the people who are reading the gospel of John, he says that many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But these are written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So the purpose of these signs in the Gospel of John is to point us to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And so when, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he says no one could do these signs that you do unless God was with him. Now what signs was Nicodemus aware of? Uh, perhaps he had heard about the sign done in Miracle uh, when Jesus turned the water into wine. Uh, perhaps Jesus, or excuse me. Perhaps Nicodemus was referring to the signs uh, that uh, in John chapter two, uh, when uh, Jesus was, or excuse me, was in in Jerusalem. And in John chapter two, verse twenty-three, it says, "Now when he Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, uh, many believed in his name, observing the signs which he was doing." So somehow, Nicodemus knew about these signs, he knew about Jesus, he knew about his teaching, and what he had done is he had come to Jesus to kind of find out for himself, who is Jesus uh, and what should he think about Jesus. Verse 3, really fascinating, because he he comes to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, we know that you come from God because nobody could do these signs unless God was with them. And it's almost as if Jesus just simply isn't even listening. And Jesus, what Jesus says to him is he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, now, I I think if you've read the Gospel of John a few times, if you grew up going to Sunday school, you kind of read this and it has, you just kind of let it wash past you. But imagine you had never heard this phrase before, born again. Imagine that you are an older man, perhaps in your 50s. And perhaps you come to Jesus and you're acknowledging that he is a teacher. And then suddenly what Jesus says is, you have no part in the kingdom of God. You will never see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Folks, that is so important for you to hear this today. That it is so important is that that. A lot of people who are Christians, who've grown up going to church, we believe the message that you need to be born again is a message for all those people out there. But this message is for the people in here. That you, regardless of how religious you may think you are, regardless of how good you may think you are, regardless of... of, uh, how much Christian activity you're involved in, you have to be born again. That that part of what the Bible teaches us, and we see this here in, um, uh, we see it in a couple different places. Uh, we see it in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, uh, where the scripture says this, it, it, that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. These people are Christians. And when Paul writes to them, he says this, As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That for the person who does not know Jesus, for the person who has not put his hope, his faith, his confidence in Jesus, he is, she is spiritually dead. You're like a spiritual zombie. You're physically alive, but you are spiritually dead. And you are in the land of the dying, going to the land of the dying. Again, in Colossians chapter 2, uh, Paul again writes to the Christians in Colossae, and he says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. See, that is what we need. Every one of us needs to be born again. Every one of us needs to be made alive in Jesus. Uh, there's a kind of a big word for, for this. It's called regeneration. Can you say that word? Regeneration. Say it again. Regeneration. Do not forget that word. Do not forget that word because that word is hugely important for you. That without regeneration, no one, no one sees the kingdom of heaven. That this is a very important thing that happens to you in that moment of salvation. Is that you were once dead without Jesus, and what God has done is He has made you alive in Jesus. He has given you a spiritual birth in Him. That you absolutely have to be born again. There's a guy's name's George Whitfield. Uh, some of you may recognize his name. Um, and George Whitfield. Uh, any of y'all familiar with John and Charles Wesley? Uh, uh, Charles Wesley wrote lots of old hymns, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, John Wesley was an old uh, Methodist um, revival preacher. Uh, and God really worked through their ministry uh, a, a few centuries ago. But George Whitfield was a part of that same group. And, and George Whitfield, again and again and again, so many times in his, his messages, he would, in his sermons, he would preach, You must be born again. And on one occasion, one of his his friends came to George Whitfield and he asked George Whitfield, he says, why do you keep preaching? You must be born again. And this is what George Whitfield said to, to his friend. Because you must be born again. That is a sermon we can never stop preaching. That is a message we cannot stop preaching is that every one of us. It's not good enough to go to church. It's not good enough to be a religious person the way Nicodemus was. But every single one of us must be born again. So Nicodemus, when he hears this, you must be born again. He's just more confused by it. Jesus says this. He says, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That this new birth is a birth of the spirit, that you have to be born of the spirit. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said you must be born again. And this whole idea of being born again, it is a, it is what some people call, some theologians call a secret work of God. That it is, uh, that when you are born again, this is not something that you have any part in. I mean, I don't know, anybody here have a part in your physical birth? I doubt it, you know. I, I doubt if any of us had a preconception conversation with our mom and dad, okay? Uh, we really don't have a part in it. That our physical birth is the natural part of a man and woman coming together. And in our spiritual birth, and the whole point of this is this, is that a lot of us want to be able to contribute to our salvation. We do. That that is the essence of religion, The essence of religion is trying to make ourselves worthy of God's acceptance. We think, if I can do this, do this, do this, do this, and we make a list. We put all these things on the list. Read my Bible every day. Uh, Go to church every week. Don't yell at my dog. Don't yell at my cat and stop yelling at my kids. Uh, Or at least yell less. And we make this list of things that we think that we can do that make us more religious. And the point is this, is that we don't need a self-help message. We need a salvation message. That there is absolutely nothing, zero, nothing, that I have ever done or ever can do. And there is absolutely nothing you have ever done or ever can do that adds to the work of Jesus. It is completely a work of God, salvation is from beginning to beginning. End. So Nicodemus, somewhat confused, uh, and then what Jesus does is he changes his metaphors a little bit. uh, And and, uh, what he does is he he, he begins to – Jesus says, um, you're the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things. Truly I say to you, we speak about what we know. We testify of what we have seen, but you don't accept our testimony. If I've told you earthly things you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And in, in then what, what Jesus says, verse 14, is he says this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Kind of a strange phrase. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that whoever believes in him have eternal life. In Numbers chapter 21 we read the story about, uh, about the people of Israel. And, and you guys, you know the story of Moses. Many of you do. You know about how Israel had been slaves for 400 years. They had been slaves for 400 years. They were miserable. They cried out to God. And what God did was he sent them a deliverer. He sent to them Moses. And, and what God did is he did all these miraculous things. Signs. Remember the signs in John? When you read through the book of Exodus, you'll see that word, signs and wonders, used a lot. That God does these signs, and he does these wonders, and he brings Israel out of Egypt, and he judges Egypt. And so this is how the people of Israel express their gratitude. They begin to grumble, and they begin to complain. That God feeds them in the wilderness, he gives them water, but still the people complained. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? It would have been better if you just left us in Egypt. And so in order to teach the people not to grumble, this is what God does. Is he sends these poisonous snakes into the people of Israel. And I don't know, anybody ever, anybody ever been bit by a snake? No? Good. Okay. Uh, Anybody ever had a snake strike at you? Okay. I've had a few times. Rudy, you have? Okay. In Vietnam or? Okay. So when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in the south, grew up in Arkansas, had a lot of cotton cottonmouths around us. And, uh, well, I say around us, like when we went fishing and stuff like that. Uh, When we would go out hiking in the swamp when I was a kid. And, And I remember that we could never leave the snakes alone. All right? When we saw a snake, we felt like it was our duty to come after the snake. You know, you'd get out a big stick. One time, my cousin, he was trying to pin down an eastern uh, diamondback rattler, big snake. was trying to pin it down with a stick, and it kept wrestling itself free and striking at my cousin. And so one of my other cousins pulled out a handgun, shot it six times, and that was the end of the snake, okay? Except that, except then my my cousin skinned it and he put it up on his wall. And I don't think his wife liked that, but uh, but anyway. But but what what they were experiencing is there were these snakes. They're, they're called like fiery serpents, meaning that they were poisonous, angry, venomous snakes among Israel. And people were getting bit. People were getting sick. People were dying. And so finally they cry out to to Moses and they say. They they asked Moses to intercede on their behalf with God. And so God prays on behalf of Israel. And God says, I want you to do this. I want you to make a snake out of metal, out of bronze. I want you to lift it up on a pole. And everyone who looks to that bronze serpent will be healed. And what Jesus is saying is just as that serpent had to be raised up, uh, Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Here, reference to the cross. So must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. And then verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only uh, begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That you must look to the crucified Christ and believe in him. For eternal life that every one of us we need to look to jesus we need to believe in him and that is the only way any of us ever get to see uh the the, the kingdom of heaven real quick let me tie this up and let me give you two points of application on this if i can okay uh first one is this first one is this A little sunday school homework for you okay uh i want to encourage you to do this if you have never memorized john 3 16 it's time to memorize it okay that every single person who is a follower of Jesus i want to encourage you to know this verse where you could just you could you could share it at a moment's notice all right let me explain to you why you need to know this verse why you need to know this verse you need to know this verse you need to own this verse in your heart that god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life but the reason i want you to learn this verse is that if you are a follower of Jesus God has given you a mission. God has given you a mission. It's just like what what, uh, Kimberly said a moment ago. God hasn't called the gifted. He's gifted the called. God has called you to a mission field. And your mission and my mission is actually to invite people to follow Jesus. And what this means is that I really should care. I should really care about my neighbor who lives next door to me who doesn't know Jesus. It should really bother me that he doesn't know Jesus. I should really care about every person in my life who doesn't know Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of times we as Christians love to be around other Christians and we like to kind of retreat into this little group of people who believe and think exactly the way we do but but as long as we're on this planet god has given us a mission and the reason that i want you to encourage you to know this verse is simply this in in 1 peter chapter 3 verse 15 the bible says that it says this it says, but sanctify set apart christ as lord in your heart always being ready Always when always being ready. And what that means is that every moment of your life, you're to be ready. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your life. uh, Always being ready to give a reason to anyone who asks you about the hope that you have in Jesus. And do this with gentleness and respect. God wants you and me to be gentle and respectful around people who don't know Jesus. He doesn't want us criticizing them for how they vote. He doesn't want us to criticize them for the kind of language they use when they're around us. What he wants us to do is show them the same love and grace that Jesus would. And he wants us to be ready. Because if that person ever comes to you and says to you, you know, Gary or, you know, any one of you, I see something in your life that I desperately need and want for myself. How can I become a Christian? Then you're ready. You are ready. And you can say this. For God so loved. Let's pretend my neighbor's name is Fred. That's not his name. His real name is Charles. But just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what you can do is you can simply say, for God so loved Charles, uh, which, you know, God so loved the world, which means God loved Charles. That he gave his one and only son. That's Jesus. He gave his son. That Jesus actually went to the cross for your sins and my sins. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not experience eternal torment, but will have eternal life. And, folks, it is that easy to point people to Jesus, it is that easy. And every one of us needs to be ready. Is that we need to be ready uh, to share with anybody who asks us. Second thing I want to do today, and I want to wrap this up with this, is that if you are with us today on Facebook, if you are with us today on YouTube, if you are with us here this morning, I know that the assumption is that you know that most of us already have some kind of a relationship with God. We've made some kind of commitment to Jesus. But my belief is you can be very religious, go to church all your life, just like Nicodemus, and not really be born again. Let me say that one more time. You can be very, very religious. You can go to church all your life. You can be a leader in your faith community. You can even even be called teacher and not be born again. And today... I want to ask you the simple question. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Have you put your faith, your trust in Jesus? Sometimes people, they want to trust in their good works. Or we think, well, you know, I'm mostly good and Jesus is going to meet me three quarters of the way. No. No, that's not the way it is. That's not the way it is. It is he meets you all the way. That we bring nothing to it. That what we do is we don't put our confidence in our works plus Jesus. That is a path to eternal torment. But we put Our faith, our trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. If you have never, never done that, I want to encourage you to do it today. And I do a variation of this prayer from time to time. By the way, praying does not save you. uh, But sometimes it can be good to articulate our heart, our mind to God in prayer. And so this is a real simple prayer, similar to what I prayed as a child. And basically it it, it sounds, it's this, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. Is that true of anybody but me? Yeah, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. Today, I want to turn from my sin. That's what the Bible calls repentance. I want to turn from my sin. This is not a commitment to being perfect. But I want to turn from my sin and believe in you. Put my trust, my confidence, my hope in you. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were raised on the third day. I ask you to forgive my sin. To give me eternal life. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Again, if you're watching from Facebook, if you're watching from YouTube. And this prayer expresses the desire of your heart. Today, if a part of you, you're just not sure where you stand with God, and you feel like this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, I'm going to lead us in this prayer again. I'm going to say it a phrase at a time. And if you want to put your hope, your confidence, your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't be too embarrassed to put your faith in Jesus. And I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer silently between you and God as I pray it aloud. Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. Today I want to turn from my sin and believe in you. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were raised again on the third day. I ask you to forgive my sin. To give me eternal life. And to make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer, a couple things I want to say to you is this. Okay, first thing is this. That God has done a miracle in your life is the miracle of rebirth. That word regeneration, remember that? God has done a miracle in your life. You have been born again. This is what you need to know. That in Christ, there's no condemnation. God has totally, fully, completely forgiven you of everything. In Christ, there's no condemnation. In Christ, nothing and no one can separate you from God's love. And in Christ, you are, according to the scripture, a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What I would like to do is I would like to help you Get off to a good start in your new life with Christ. Uh, a couple ways you can contact me is I'm going to encourage you, you. you can My cell phone number, I've got this up here, 707-290-2485. You can either text me or you can call me. I welcome that. I'd love to talk to you more. Or if you're more of an email person, uh, you can email me at gary at Solanavalley.org. So those of you, Facebook, YouTube, please write down this number, please uh, write down my email, but I would like to help you because you need help getting off to your new start and following Jesus. So let me pray for us one more time. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to go ahead and come back to the stage, please. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for Jesus. We are grateful for the fact that when we put our hope and our confidence in you, that we are born again. That we are made spiritually alive. That we are no longer spiritual zombies. But we are children of God. We want to thank you for that. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here today who made that decision. I want to pray for anybody either through YouTube, through Facebook, who made that decision. God, I pray that you'll help these people find a really good church and get connected. And, and find help to help them uh, in, uh, uh Find help to help them in their new walk with you. And so I just want to commit those people to you. For the rest of us, God, help us just to be faithful witnesses for Jesus wherever you lead us. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.
1: could not hold you, the veils were before you, the silence of us, of sin and angering, the heavens are burning,
3: the praise of your blood.
1: of glory Yours now is the, the name above all names a powerful name it is What a powerful, name, name, it what a powerful name, name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against no, What a powerful name the name of Jesus, for the powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, for the powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen,
3: guys. Thanks for hanging out this morning, and uh, we'll see you next week.